The fifth inning, a long-ass night. Tina offered him something from a clam-shaped silver box. Benzodiazepine, she said. But Colton had never liked pills. He despised medicine in all its forms. Always had. It didn't matter if it was bubblegum-flavored and harmless or small and dead serious, like what Tina was offering him now. Colton didn't fuck around with that stuff. Their rule was one shot for every base Colton picked up or strikeout that Snick got on the mound. But they were both on a tear, and so the bottle was getting low fast. The whiskey actually worked pretty well with Tina's canned water. The bubbles cutting through the harsh brown liquor. After a couple glasses, his mind started to settle. But any kind of peace that Colton was slowly creeping up on skittered away like a scared cat when the pounding at the door started. The cops, he thought. Not exactly surprised. Colton finished what might have been his third cup of whiskey in one eye-watering gulp. Tina had just froze. Colton was trying to take a deep breath to face whatever was next when he heard his name. Colton, it's your mother. Tina opened the door and there she was, framed in another doorway, this time backlit from the big sodium light with a bug swirling around it outside. The good news for everyone was she was alone. The bad news was she was not there to bring a mother's calming voice to the situation. One look, and Colton knew she was on the warpath. Tina led her in the apartment and then stepped out to the walkway to check outside, looking both ways to satisfy herself. Colton stayed on the couch, bracing. His mom had a thing she did when she got upset. Her voice went up a register to the point where it was almost a dog whistle. It was in the neighborhood of that high wine he hated so much in traditional Cajun music, but had come to love in Up on Cripple Creek. He might have been getting the kid glove treatment from Tina, but all that shit was over when his mom walked in. What the fuck were you thinking? She demanded. Tina had barely closed the apartment door behind her, and she was already on him, standing in the living room with her hands on her hips and looking much older, suddenly, than she had at the barbecue. There was mascara smeared under her eyes. Or maybe it was just dark circles. You could have killed that man, she screamed. And where would you be then, huh? Colton wasn't ready to speak. The accusations hung in the air while he stood up to tack towards the kitchen. He noticed Snick was standing there at the fridge just about the time Tina and his mom started to get into it. Snick was pretending to go for a snack, the action in the living room way too good to miss. Colton noticed the way he darted glances at the two women from beneath shaggy hair that hung in his eyes. Snick gave him a sympathetic little smile and then reached into the fridge to pour what was left of the Jim Beam into Colton's cup. You all right, bro? Snick whispered. Never better, Colton managed. He gave his teammate an automatic smile that lasted about a split second. Then a dark shadow crossed his face. Coach is going to be pissed, he said. Colton watched as recognition bloomed on Snick's face, thinking about it for the first time. Yeah, 
You're fucking dead. You should have never let him associate with people like that, his mom was saying. Tina was having none of it. Oh, that's rich. It wasn't me fucking the dude in the bathroom. And then she added, which, ugh, gross. Colton wasn't in a position to parse words. It took all his energy just to avoid seeing his mom in that bathroom, an image he tried and failed to see over and over again. But one thing he knew for sure, he didn't like Tina and his mom fighting. Suddenly, he felt even closer to his breaking point than he had been at Cecil's bar. His entire grip on sanity was about to slip. He moved towards them, the carpet under his feet even less stable than it was before, to break it up, because if they didn't stop this instant, he was going to lose his shit for real. A noise outside broke through the fourth wall of the drama unfolding in the living room. A thud. Boom. They all froze again, and in that instant, they were all on the same side. Colton felt the shift on an animal level. His brain reset just like that. Boom, boom. Colton recognized the sound of a meaty fist pounding against the door. Snick made a wide circle around the two women, both silent but still eyeballing each other, and used his height to good advantage, peeking through the top of the Venetian blinds. Just from the gaunt look on Snick's face when he turned around, Colton knew what was up. The cops. And this time, there was no doubt about it. Snick walked right towards Colton while Tina and his mom both made their way to the window to see for themselves. Just go to your room, Snick said, as if that was some kind of solution. Colton saw fear in his eyes and realized in that moment a deeper, permanent truth that would always separate him from most other guys. Colton knew firsthand what it was like to be locked up. Not in the abstract way that movies and TV put in your head, but in the cold reality where somebody takes your freedom and there's nothing to do but cope with it. That kind of experience turned on an internal switch that could never be reset. No, Colton said. Snick's eyes were bouncing around in his head like lotto balls. Colton took a deep breath and stared down into his cup, then set it down on the counter. You go to your room, he said. Don't worry about me. The fist hit the door again, but just once, a single thud. Boom. Colton steadied himself as best he could and made his way to the door. He didn't even look at Tina and his mom, still frozen in place at the window, and he didn't bother with the peephole. He swung the door open, ready to deal with whatever was there. The Eunice cop standing there looked vaguely familiar. There were at least a few EPD officers at the barbecue, and there were always a couple at each ball game, just in case. This particular cop had his thumbs hitched into his utility belt like a lot of cops do. He seemed relaxed to Colton, way less amped than he was, at least. The cop didn't even scan the interior of the apartment when the door swung open. Hey, Colton, the cop said. He kept his thumbs hitched in his belt. 
The cop's posture didn't seem threatening. I saw you go three for four against those boys from Texas. What was it, like two weeks back? It took Colton a second to get his bearings. Yeah, that was Panola, Colton said, his mind flashing to their last home game before the big road trip. They had started this pudgy right-hander on the mound that barely made it to the fourth inning. Colton had his number from the get-go, lacing two doubles in the left center on his first two trips to the plate. Yeah, that's right, the cop said, and now he was scoping out the apartment. When he nodded like a cowboy and said, Ladies? Colton knew Tina and his mom were standing behind him. Anyway, the cop said, TC told me to stop by and check on you. Make sure everybody's okay. All Colton heard was the word told. He took a second to peer down to the parking lot where the cop's car was idling. Nobody in the passenger seat. Yeah, I'm okay, he said, trying to make himself sound like it was a normal question. Is, uh, is he okay? He asked, and then felt like a retard, asking if the guy he would have choked out if Tina hadn't stopped him was okay, even though he still wanted to kill him. The cop smiled. Colton glanced at his name tag. Corville. The guy had a pointy, tanned face. A rat face. He looked like the kind of dude that wore a peach fuzz mustache in junior high. Maybe he got beat up a lot, so he hit the weights after high school and joined the force. Or maybe not. It was hard to tell. Colton had been around enough to know you couldn't always tell. He heard the cop say, yeah, he's all right. As Colton scanned up and down the corridor, where it was unusually quiet for a Saturday night. He said to tell you it's all good, the cop unhitched his thumbs and reached into his pocket. And to give you this, he held out his hand. Colton held out his hand, and the cop dropped a spent forty-five caliber shell casing in it. When he looked up, the cop was already halfway down the stairs. Y'all have a good night, he called over his shoulder. Colton looked up at the big sodium light in the parking lot. Thousands of bugs swirling around it like bingo balls in one of them old machines. He stood there while the sight of the bugs transported him to a distant memory of an old bingo hall when he was a kid. It was some kind of church function. He remembered his dad had a big belt buckle shaped like a football, and his mom had bought him a Pepsi in a waxy cup. In his mind, Colton could still see the thin shards of square ice that melted down like glass in his cup, and how his dad had got one of his own and poured something from his mom's purse in it. His mom was so glamorous in that memory. Not just pretty, but alive and fun. And she smelled good. He was thinking about where his dad might be now when Tina put her hand on his arm. She smelled good, too but with Tina, it was different. There was something musky and raw, powerful in Tina's scent, but he didn't know what to do with it. He didn't have the capacity to process anything more than had already happened. He had choked the fat man, then his mom was screaming, and then the cops showed up, 
but he didn't go to jail. Not cops, plural, he corrected in his head. A single cop and a single shell casing. Colton was drunk and totally spent. His mom was just standing inside the door when they walked back in. She came towards him in a rush. She came towards him in a rush and caught him in that. <clears throat> she came towards him in a rush and caught him in a hug that probably looked as desperate as it felt to Colton. Her dirty blonde hair smelled like charcoal and God knew what else. Nothing like his memories of what seemed like ancient history, but probably wasn't more than 15 years past. She had her head on his shoulder and was still holding on tight when he looked up to see Tina standing behind his mom. Did you get all that? He managed to ask. Yeah, she said, a worried look in her eyes. What did he give you? Colton held out the shell in his open palm, then closed it and slipped it into... Colton held out the shell in his open palm, then closed it and slipped it into his pocket as his mom disengaged. I'm so glad you're okay, his mom said. He wanted to believe he was okay, but the look on Tina's face said different. Something occurred to him then that scared him more than Titsi. Tina registered the look on his face. What? she said. Not a question, but a demand. Colton noticed Snick standing in the hallway. For sure, he had been peeking through his bedroom window. I gotta tell Coach, he said. You didn't get to be head coach of a powerhouse JUCO team like the LSUE Bengals by fucking around. Coach Gene Cox was a serious, busy man. But neither was he exactly what you'd expect. Coach could bark and growl with the best of them, but he didn't do that often. He practiced what he preached, the surgical use of what he called controlled aggression. You might be able to get away with raw power on the football field, Coach Cox argued, but on the baseball field, you had to put a finer point on it. You didn't just stroll into Coach's office to shoot the shit, not even if you were a tie-wearing, big-shot LSUE administrator, much less a ball player. So Colton was doubly nervous as he sat there in the little waiting room in full view of the two girls who did pretty much all the administrative work for the team. They kept up a banter about the team's website, social media posts, and game day programs, but Colton could feel their attention on him. It was a sixth sense that had kept him out of trouble in jail. His hangover didn't help matters. He sat there nursing a half a Gatorade bottle of water he'd filled up at the sink in the apartment after his run. He was up early that morning anyway, and so he went to his English comp class that morning. There were barely 20 students in the class, and half of them didn't show up, so he hated to miss the class, just to show support for the professor. She was probably a good 20 years older than his mom, but Colton could tell she had been something special in her day. The horned-rimmed glasses she wore framed dark, curly hair that still looked girlish despite the extra skin hanging on her neck. But he didn't have the stomach to attend the rest of his classes, not with the meeting with Coach looming in his mind. Instead, he went back to the apartment, changed into his workout stuff, and went for a run around campus. 
No headphones, just him and his thoughts. He found he couldn't think of any He found he couldn't think about any of the shit skinnering around his head directly. All he could do was run. But the campus wasn't big enough to outrun his problems. Colton ran so fast he had barely broke a sweat when he found himself staring at the big highway embankment behind the field where the campus ended and the highway started. His mom had tried to talk to him, at first to give him advice on talking to coach, and then, when Colton made it clear he wasn't looking to discuss it, to try and explain what she'd been doing with TC in the bathroom, which, of course, was the last thing in the world he wanted to hear. His blood boiled all over again as soon as she started talking. But they had been through a lot together, and she knew to back off when he looked at her in a certain way. She got the message and left him and Tina in the apartment. As he ran, he wondered if maybe he should have let his mom talk. Maybe she would have said something that made sense. Because when he stepped back and looked at the situation, none of it made sense. Why he'd ever got mixed up with these kind of people, again, he would never understand. Or maybe... He thought when well, he sweated out the rotgut whiskey he never should have drank in the first place. Maybe he got mixed up with dudes like T.C. because he was a dude like that. Maybe Tina was, too. But again, he couldn't deal with that thought directly. Tina was good for him. He, well, he wasn't sure if he loved her, but he definitely loved being with her. She understood him, and she made him feel good. As soon as he walked in, he saw Coach's expression change. They had never talked about Colton's past, but Coach knew. Of course he did. And now the look on Coach's face said maybe it was all happening again. Colton half expected him to say, What did you do? When he sat down in the chair across from the desk. When it was clear that Coach was simply going to wait until he started speaking, Colton lurched into an explanation. He wasn't sure where to start, how much to share. He was afraid. There were plaques and trophies lining the painted cinder block walls. Colton wondered if he would ever wear the uniform again. Coach, he said finally, I fucked up. The smirk Coach gave Colton didn't exactly put him at ease, but it at least reminded him that he'd earned some credit with the man. Hell, Colt, that much is plain as day. The only question that remains is to what degree did you fuck up? And is this fuck up something we can fix? Or will you remain hopelessly fucked? The man really did have a way with words. 